Welcome back to the culture of safety. How's it going, Matt? It's going hot. It's so hot. It's hot everywhere. There's hurricanes everywhere. Everybody's dying. Oh, wait. <laughs> wait that's, that's that movie, 2012. <laughs> no, it's just really hot here. It is very hot. It's over 100 degrees, and I'm just like, mm, it's well over 100 degrees. No thanks. And I'm going to I'm gonna be going to Texas in a couple of weeks. I cannot imagine what it's gonna like. Are you going to there. the west or the east part? I have no clue. Oh okay. <laughs> Texas is huge, and I have no idea. Dude, it's massive. That's what I'm saying. Because if you're on one side of Texas, it could be completely different from the other side of Texas. Is like, it okay? I well, I heard like the east side is that like the Louisiana side is like super it's more muggy. Yeah. yeah, really, really humid over and there. And then on the other side, it's kind of like super dry. More dry heat. So I figure it's kind of like California where like you have like the beach and then you have like the desert. I don't think there's anywhere in California where it's like muggy or humid like it is over there, though. Uh, it's been muggy and humid here it's, lately. I don't think but, it's the same. But yeah, I, I, I'm, that's why I'm kind of interested to see like what it's really like out there. When you go to the beach here and it feels muggy and it's like 80 because <laughs> it's hot. It's not. It's different from when it's a hundred and it's still 90 percent humid. Oh, here. geez. I cannot imagine. That's what I've been told. It's like taking a shower. Like at all times. I've been told that too. That's people are dramatic though. I don't know, but I went to Louisiana for a couple of weeks, and I went to the, uh, a couple of years ago. Man, it was hot and humid there, and I and it's right next to. Well, yeah, I figured it'd be kind of the same climate as that, but yeah, I'm interested to see how that is, and um, I should be in the Dallas area, so I'm gonna go do some like Texas barbecue. It'd be also, fine. I think in September the ASSE is in Texas, the symposium. Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna go to that, and uh, it's in Austin though. Austin. Okay, that sounds like fun. Go so see your listener, the... and you're gonna be there. Let me know. Yeah. Hey, we should totally get like a booth, and we should have all these people come and visit <laughs> us. All of our, all of our fans, listeners, not fans. Uh, first of all, you're a fan. I could use a fan right now. It's just starting to get hot. Nah, it's cold in here. <laughs> well, obviously indoors, but later when I go home, it's gonna be hot. Um. So today's episode, we're gonna be talking about one-on-ones, or you know, there's, I mean, there's so many different different names but it's kind of like a um a chance for you to build a relationship with your um direct their direct reports so you know whenever i'm doing a one-on-one i try to do one-on-ones at least once a week if not once a month it just depends on the scope so in my last position i had you know like two or three direct reports versus you know um previous positions i had like four or five six depending on the size and the scope of the project i've had it where you know my direct reports were you know on the opposite shift i mean that was always difficult so when you're doing your one-on-ones you have to do it at shift exchange so you do you're like hey this is what happened the day before or during the day this is what's going on this is what's going to be moving forward and then i try to do my one-on-one at that time um depending on the size of your company and how many people in the geographical location it can be very difficult you know, reaching every single person. Sometimes you're going to do them one-on-one on the phone. Um, I know right now, uh, like the Skype and the the digital videos are a really big, big thing right now, especially like on Microsoft Teams, having your one-on-ones virtually. That's, I know that's, that's a big thing. Maybe we should talk about that in the next couple of episodes, trying to do stuff virtually. I know that's a big thing that's kind of come up this past year with COVID. Shoot, we could talk about it today as part of the one-on-ones, maybe. I mean, we'll I, we I mean, we're going to, I'm definitely going to add that to it, but I mean, just, it's a struggle it was something that i think a lot of people had to learn because there's a lot of cues and context that you don't get in in your videos and stuff like that so um one of the big things that i always push when i when i teach people about one-on-ones or or doing these interviews is you know always be prepared 
right? When I when I go in, I'm always, always have an agenda. Okay, I need to talk about performance. I need to talk about growth. I need to talk about X, Y, Z. I'm always making sure that I hit those subjects. It's usually about 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half hour, depending on this on the how much time I have allotted. You know, if it, if it's virtual, usually you can do a little bit more. If it's in person, or you guys going to lunch, whatever it is. Sometimes you're going to get more time. Sometimes you guys can go off on a tangent, but I always have an agenda. Hey, I tell them, I'm going to talk about your growth. I'm going to talk about what you're doing right now. Um, what areas you have opportunities for growth, where your um, strengths are. And then I always give like four or five minutes at the end, if they have any questions or they, there's anything that they want to talk about. And then I also tell them, Hey, on the first half of this, the first 15, 20 minutes, I want you to update me. What are some things that you want to get off your chest? What are some things that you want to talk about? What do you want to do? What are, what are your growths that you want to do? What do you want to pursue? You know, I've seen it, especially as a leader, a lot of people do not want to stay in their, at their same spot. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people that I know that have worked in the same position for 15, 20 years and that they're happy. I like this position. This is where I am at. I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to do this. I just want to come to work. I want to do my job and I want to go home. That's it. You know, they're, they have like a whole different life when they go home and that's what they want to do. Come in, do their job, go home. They don't want any of that extra stuff. They don't want to go to school. They don't want to get, you know, certifications. This is what they want to do. And that's fine. Those are, it's important for you to, to uh, recognize that individual, uh, you know, as, as they are, but also still give them the opportunity. Like, okay. But what else do you want to do? You know, I, I have that mentality that when I was, you know, technician, I wanted to be mid-level. When I was mid-level, I wanted to be management. Now I'm on management. I want to do, you know, C-suite. That's that's the progression that I see for everybody. Of course, I know that everybody wants to be a director of, of a company, but I also know that most people don't want to just be, you know, a technician all their life. They want to move up and make more money, right? Some people don't. That's fine. Deal with them separately, but give them that opportunity to say, hey, well, what do you want to do? Let them have control because then they feel empowered. Like, okay, this is this is for my benefit. I've had it, and I'm sure you've you've had this when you were early in your career, where it was more of like a like a checkbox, right? You come in, your manager's like, okay, yeah, uh, well, you're doing good, and um, yeah, you know, we think you could do better here, and yeah, that's it. Here, sign this paper, and that's done. And, you know, it's like more of like a checkbox. Like they didn't really, they weren't really invested in the time that you guys were spending together. Yeah, to me, like the whole paper thing. So I think what we're one on ones can have different meetings right or like oh yeah so like those kind of meetings with the check boxes and the papers like i would do those i wouldn't be doing those like on a weekly or no that'd be like a monthly like like progression for us that'd be like a quarterly uh check-in like with the actual like i have to document this yeah yeah, yeah. that part of it i hate those ones i like those ones those are my favorite uh i don't i i I like the one-on-ones but i don't like the paper it kind of, it kind of. I know what you mean. It I don't mind documenting. Yeah, I don't mind documenting everything we talked about in that entire one-on-one, and them knowing that we documented it and all that. But what I don't like is one through five. How are they doing on this? <laughs> one through five. How are they doing on this? One through five. Yeah. How are they doing on this? And a lot of it is like, um, I don't know. Maybe it's Subjective. just the ones I've dealt with, but the some of the definitions and stuff like on how you're supposed to rate them, it's just kind of funky. I would much rather just be like. Here are the strengths of this employee. Here are the weaknesses of the employee. Here's where he's fallen short Swat. in the last three months. Like, just kind of uh, more of like a written thing than yeah. having to give numbers because I feel like numbers are kind of uh, difficult to give sometimes, and it just it's just weird to me. But um, 
Yeah, I, I've had I've had the managers that do that to me where I walk in and they're like, hey, you got five here, five here, five here, four on this one. And this is why. And then, and then all right, that's it. And that's it. Bye. You're not getting any money. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, you know, it's always the same. Well, yeah, we don't have any money in the budget for that. Yeah, we really wanted to give you a little bump <laughs> this time, but we're going to have to wait. Maybe we'll talk about it again in six months. <laughs> yeah, those are, you know, the, was it the office space? Yeah, hi. I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. <laughs> You're like, Wait, Thanks, Jerry. I think there was an episode where you told me I had to go watch that movie because I've never seen it before. Oh, you still haven't seen and that I movie? Seen oh, goodness. You have Netflix or some shit. I, like I literally have every streaming platform. I just don't, I don't know what you <laughs> You know what's funny? As much as I don't watch TV, I have a bunch of them now and I hardly ever watch any of them. I have like Netflix and all that other stuff. And my wife, my wife enjoys it. My kid enjoys it. I'm just like, oh, uh, oh yeah, that's right. We have Disney Plus. Like, I don't really watch anything. Mm-hmm. I'm in school. Honestly, so. I very rarely watch TV in general. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe an hour or two a week. Like maybe. Yeah. I, I would say I'm pretty close to that. Like usually it's like in the evening time, seven thirty, eight o'clock. Okay, oh, my wife's done watching her stuff. My kids watching his stuff. They're like, "Hey, you want to watch something?" I'm like, "I guess." I'm like, flipping through the channels. I don't want to watch anything. The only stuff I watch is like really random. Uh, I do. I'm kind of a nerd, so I'll watch like some of the Star Wars or Marvel stuff that comes out. Okay. Like, like those series that come out. But, anyways, off track. Um, I think you. I think you kind of hit a good point in that. I would say that I would I uh, agree with the whole one through five thing. Because it seems more arbitrary than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, and one through five, they have like what, 80 to 90 or 90 to uh, 80 to 100, like 50, to, I think it's like 50 to 70, and like zero to 50. And then there's like, a, I haven't observed this type of thing on there too. And I, I my format, I like a SWAT strength weaknesses opportunities and threats mm-hmm. you know because then i can write the words that i need to write hey exactly. this person's strength is xyz it gives them more personal like hey i've identified specific things within you and i i especially when it comes to like culture i i get why they have the one through five because they want you to make sure that when you're presenting things it's like hey how are you with this specific tenant like or compared to other employees because sometimes it's hard to compare words you know mm-hmm. if i'm looking at a group of 30 30 uh people 30 direct reports and i just have written reports about each one i could make it i could see like okay who's up next for promotion not me if like some right. somebody else like hr was looking who, at it. who's who scored the highest yeah like who, who's who's really like leading your your group right now and if there's not a point like a point, the point system, system it's hard to to the, verify that kind the of other stuff. thing i think is that there's a lot of uh um let's see what what's a nice word to use here there's a lot of like uh people that are lazy and don't do stuff right <laughs> and so what happens is if you rely on them to write things out a lot of people are terrible at that so yeah, you're you right do, about that you create the easiest structure possible okay all you gotta do is pick a number yeah pick one, a five. Number, one through five five being the best one being the worst and then they still get mad about that man i gotta pick a number <laughs> No, my favorite was always the employee that gets a four. You gave me a four on this? I'm like, well, I couldn't give you all fives because then there'd be that somebody would would question it. At my last company, they gave you the definitions for each one, and five was like pretty much it was like you never four was like you exceed expectations commonly, you go above and beyond. Like it was four was like the best. Amazing. And then five was literally like, you should be like a, my manager, pretty much. <laughs> and nobody ever got fives on my team. It was always fours but um, or lower. Yeah. And they would be like, how come I didn't get a five? I'm like, look, I'll be honest with you. Like, look at the def. I follow the definitions. 
and you are you for sure are always exceeding expectations you fall like you fit you hit the four perfectly like i don't understand who would get this five like yeah it doesn't make any, any i sense. wouldn't even get myself a five i'd get like a 2.5 2.1 be it with the gymnastics it's really important it depending on whatever system even if you don't have a system make a system yeah i've seen that too where there's places that don't have any type of growth you're not having i mean let's say you're not having a one-on-one you're not having structured one-on-ones. Hey, where do you see yourself in five years? What do you want to do? Have those continuous improvement plans because if not, guess what happens? Employees get you know disengaged. They don't care. The, the perception is that you don't care and they would just rather not have to deal with the company. And I've seen it to where people will actually leave. Um, I've, I mean, I personally have left a couple of companies because of that. There was no one-on-ones. There's no, you know, annual performance reviews, whatever. I mean, whatever metric, like I said, for me, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head where I do one-on-ones like just casual. I mean, I always document everything just because, you know, I want to make sure that we've had these conversations. Like, look, I'm documenting it for my purposes. So that way, if if I have like eight people I have to track, it's hard for me to remember every single conversation we've ever had. Mm -hmm. I have a little book. Um, uh, here's a little little tip that I use. I write down everything. As a manager, you know, I I remember if you've ever had like a bad employee and you've had to manage their time. Those are like the worst types of employees where you have to go. Okay, eight o'clock, you're gonna do this. Eight thirty, you're gonna do that. At nine, you're gonna do this. Not, you know what I mean? Where you have to literally like write down every single thing. I don't keep employees like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the whole point. Is you're you're building that case. Like, well, I've had to put them on this plan, and I haven't put them on a pip, and I've had to do this, and I've had to manage their time. You, those are the employees that you're you're trying to move out, and it's frustrating to have to build that time for them. Yeah. Um, I've had in my last in my last career, we had to do that a lot because we'd have injured employees, and they're on um um modified duty and let's you know whatever their job is now they're doing like office work and so we'd have to say, okay at this time you're gonna do this and this is when you're gonna take your break and and i hate doing because it it's like telling it's like telling a toddler like okay this is what you're gonna this is what your day is gonna be like and i was like good lord but it's that's what i do for myself ironically is that as i'm doing stuff i write it down in a book hey um at 10 o'clock i had a meeting and this is what the meeting was and you know there's i always put action items too so that way it's all tracked in one thing hey what'd you do yesterday oh i had this meeting oh i had the conversation with this person this is what that action item was and that that way i can keep all my action items in one book and then as i go through and cross them out then i know hey you know what i didn't do this action item i'm transferring it over to the next day so at the beginning of my day i look at the previous day okay is there any unclosed action items hey i need to follow up with Matt over, you know, his growth. He said he wanted to become um, uh, a doctor. So I'll have to, you know, do some research on, I don't know. Doc- MD or PhD? Uh, I don't think you're qualified. You, you, you don't really have the the intelligence to go for <laughs> either. So. either. So let's just go with like one of those, like once you get out of like a Cracker Jack box. I'm going to do a JD like you. I'm not going to get a JD. Oh, okay. I'm going to go for a regular doctor. I was thinking about doing my JD, but I was like, eh, I'm like four years law school. I don't really see myself doing anything with that. So, yeah. Uh, what I did want to talk about was, well, uh, I have a few things still. One, um, I think normalizing one-on-ones is important. Yes. So normalizing where you and your direct reports are just having like a private conversation. If you only do that once every random time or once every month, a few months or something like 
what happens is I feel like it creates a lot of anxiety when the employee comes in there sometimes and then and there no one be as open with you. It'll be a more closed conversation. Not always, but yeah. it can be. Because I'm, I'm the same way. Every time I have a, a any type of one-on-one with somebody, uh-huh. not, not with direct report, but say manager. I'll, I'll give my, my past history. Whenever my manager's like, hey, I'm going to have a... They never said a one-on-one. Oh, they say, hey, come, can you come in so we can talk? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, crap. I'm like, exactly. oh, what did I do? And I'm, you know, especially me, I'm always the troublemaker. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm trying to think, I'm like, what did I do? Did I mess up? I'm like, who did I say this? Who could have ratted on yeah, me? Yeah, who could have snitched on me? <laughs> Like okay, who who filed the complaint this time? Like, did I say anything? I'm like, I, uh, especially me, I I'm off the wall like a lot of the times. So I'm like, okay, maybe they're mad about that. <laughs> who filed a complaint? Yeah, who filed a formal complaint? Oh, it was this one. Okay, I knew. It. I, I kind of oh, figured yeah, it was that I one. That. I remember that. <laughs> oh, they they were upset about that. Yeah, I could see how they were upset. Yeah, I kind of figured it was that one. Anyways, that's one thing, right? The other thing that I really want to talk about is something that I've learned like very the hard way over the last few years. And, and I talked to a lot of my like other managers, like my other peers and other departments and stuff. Yeah. And this is a problem that I feel like everybody always struggles with in management. And it's just having like consistently honest and transparent conversations about that direct reports performance. Yeah. Everybody is really good about saying how good the employee does, but it's sometimes it's really hard. Maybe it's not hard for you, but sometimes it's really hard for people to talk about, the weaknesses and the screw ups and the failures and where they need to improve because a lot of times uh, employees get defensive, right? They can yes. get defensive when you say that stuff that it can get, it can get confrontational. And uh, the worst thing that happens is, so a lot of times people think like they're doing good when they're just saying successes and they're yeah. letting that build up. And then it gets to the point where they have to say something and it's been going on for a year now. Yeah. And now that now the the confrontation's really going to be now there, it's right? going to be su- super high because you never nipped it in the exactly. bud exactly it's like at the beginning what, they'd be like what like where did this come from I've been doing I've been working good for a year you've been telling me for a year I've been doing I thought good. I was doing amazing I thought I was doing an amazing job and now I'm on a performance improvement plan out of yes. nowhere like something like that right yeah and it's super super common and especially with new managers because new managers don't want to be seen as the bad guy. Yes. And they feel like they're going to be seen as the bad guy if they don't have those conversations, if they have those conversations. If they have those conversations. So I know it's hard and I know it's uncomfortable and I know that you're not going to, most people are not going to like it. I don't know anybody that I've met that is comfortable going in there and having those kinds of conversations. I know people that are like, yeah, I'll do it. Like they, they're, cause yeah. they're so used to it. They're so used to it that that's, that's the norm. But that's not, it's still not I would, fun. I would a hundred percent agree. And that I wouldn't say that's something I struggle with, but it's something that's very difficult, especially working with a new team. Oh yeah, for them to understand that's the way it is, because once you set the precedent, like, hey, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to say you're a bad person. I am this, and and I'm really good at finding the faults in everything. I'm just you know, kidding. I'm so I'm just a natural pessimist, especially in EMS. Like, if I go in anywhere in construction. I can find all the crooked tiles in any building. I'm like, oh, that one's crooked. Oh, that's not level. Oh, and we're like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, I worked in construction. Every time I used to do stuff, I would I'm like, see the flaws in everything. I was like, nope, I got to fix that. Um, and I can see the flaws in other people's work. I always say, look, it's, this is not a bash against you. It has nothing against your work performance. This is where you're at. This is where I see your – that's why I use the SWAT. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. This is what you have. This is who you are. I have, I tell them all the same time, you know, you have to show your weakness. Look, I have a lot of weak spots too. And I'm starting, I'm working on those. And if you see stuff, I want you to have that, you know, transparency, open communication. Like, Hey Joe, 
you know, I see at this part of your leadership that you you tend to favor, and I, I know this is really big in, in leadership, you tend to favor the weaker people. You know, you tend to focus your attention on the weaker team and you're not, you know, giving enough attention to your stronger team. You know, you're like, well, yeah, because the stronger team kind of can is self-sufficient, but at the same time, they still need that leadership. You know, you still need to feed them. You know, you need to give them attention. And it's, you know, that's like your children, right? You always have your, your oldest is always the the one that's always taking care of themselves. You know, you, you harp on them really heavy. You have your middle child. They, everybody forgets about them. And then you have your baby. Your baby's the one that usually gets all the attention. And, you know, usually the, 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 um, statistically speaking, your, your oldest is always going to be your most successful. They're going to be fine. It's usually the middle child that gets no attention. So everybody forgets about that one. So it's always like, yeah, the middle child is good, but you still got to give them attention and show them like, Hey, you know, I still love you. And I still care about you. When you build that within your team, you need to make sure that you're, you're, you're having that open communication. So you're getting the feedback like, Hey, you know what? Yes. I know that I focus too much on my, on my poor performers, trying to get them up to, to the the level that I need them at versus, Hey, my star performers, I never, I hardly ever chicken in on, in, in on them. I know that's a yeah. weakness of mine. Have those conversations. Yes. They're not comfortable, but once you do them enough times, people will just like, Oh, look, Joe, Matt, they're straight shooters. They're not here to judge me and tell me I'm a bad person. They see me at my career and where I am and where I want to go. And they're trying to facilitate growth in that direction and trying to, you know, I, I always say bolster or, or, or shape and, you know, we talk about like a diamond safety being a diamond, trying to get all the facets, right. Trying to make sure all the different faces of the diamond are, are good quality, right. Cause that's how diamonds shine. All the light comes in equal and comes out equal versus if, Oh, I have a rough shaved diamond. Okay. Well, I need to work on this side. I need to work on that side. Approach it as in, I'm not here to judge you. I'm trying to make you better, mm-hmm. right. Because I'm trying to better myself. I expect that out of everybody. I expect that out of you as well have those conversations look you're a great employee i want you on my team you're safe your job is safe we talked about that you know a couple episodes ago safety circles right we, no that's i not think we, safe no that's it not was what you safe, called them i call them safe spaces but we we we, we ended up on the term safety circle a circle of safety you are safe here we want you here in this company your job is not threatened when people feel like their job isn't threatened they're like okay good i'm doing good this is just a hey and I always tell my employees the same thing. You will know when your job is on the line. I will make it crystal clear. Like, hey, we're starting to put you in a progressive, you know, we call it MIMO, manage in, manage out. You are now in MIMO. If you are not cutting the mustard, which I never understood that term. If you're not cutting the mustard, then you're going to be put on this plan. You will know that your job is at risk. If I tell you, hey, you know, one-on-one, man, you, you know, you're doing so good, but hey, I noticed that whenever you're going to and do engagements, you're not really talking a lot about the culture or you're not doing this. You're not doing that. It's not a bad thing. Just that's something that you want to work on, especially when you become a manager. Those are some things that are going to become very important, right? Obviously, when you have your employee, your one-on-one, your, everything's going to be tailored to them. I have a guy that wants to be a nurse. I have a person that wants to be um, a, ma- a safety manager. I have someone who wants to be a director. Right. I'm going to manage them completely different. Hey, you're going to be a nurse. Cool. I'm going to do whatever I can. I need you to meet your, you know, your, your quota, mm-hmm. right? I need you to do your audits and do your investigations, all that stuff. But while you're doing that, how can I help you become a nurse? And those are the more difficult people to manage because you're like, like, I don't really know a lot about that. Like, how do I, 
And that's why I ask him, hey, what can I do to help you? Oh, Joe, I need more time in the afternoons. Okay, we'll come in early, whatever, if we need to make an uh, adjustment to your schedule, whatever. I'll do the whatever I can to help facilitate that. There's always going to be people that are going to leave your company. That's just that's just life. Yeah, 100%. I mean, especially in safety. I know uh, they just came out with like uh, the last um, uh, magazine. They were talking about how the I think the average is three to four, three to four years within a company, and that's that's. I mean, that seems pretty good, right? You're going to work for a company for about three, three or four years, and then you're either going to move up or move into another location. You know, getting degrees, certifications, all that kind of stuff. You're going to probably move up into a better, higher position. So I think that's not just safety. I think that's our gen. I mean, maybe not mm. our gen, but it like could be the newer yeah. generation. I think statistically, it shows that. More, more people, people like yeah. around like i don't know like late 20s mid 20s early yeah. 30s mid 30s like the gen or millennials i mean not gen z that's a younger no those are youngers uh they're more likely to bounce around a lot yeah and what's weird isn't uh i've seen like in within my companies that i've worked for like my hr is like well I, we want people to stay here like 25 years and i'm like well, well they make it a company that people will want to stay for and I'm 25 like, and years a lot of people don't want to work at the same company for 25 years like that's not how the world works anymore like maybe before back in the day people wanted to get one job and work their entire life there like that was a thing i don't think that's much of a thing anymore well i know it's a lot more difficult because people i i'm i'm gonna make this snap judgment because I, I see the the previous generation versus ours is there was a lot less motivation to move up. And I say that just because I know it has to do this whole, like, you know, like um, entitlement and all that kind of stuff. But people want, nobody wants to be like, uh, you know, field level anymore. It's it's kind of like a dying skill. And it's it's kind of sad. And I, I, I completely agree with it that more people want to be managers. Yeah. More people want to be supervisors. And, and and that's that's great. It's a great ambition. But I think the problem is, is people don't like think about those things. Mm -hmm. They just go, I should be a manager. Why? Because like, do you not do you not know what it entails to be a manager? And I think that's that's the big difference from the previous generation to this generation. When you became a manager, that was it. There was no like, okay, you need to have qualifications. You need to have, it was just like how we talked about many episodes ago. It was like, oh, you've been here 10 years. You're the next one up for promotion. Mm -hmm. Not regarding anything about leadership or anything like that. It's just like, hey, you're the guy. We're just going to move you up. Nowadays, we're a little bit more, especially with, you know, a lot more educated people coming in. They're like, dude, that is a bad way to run a business because of safety culture and, and yada, yada, yada. So I'm 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 seeing that a lot more people want to be managers and supervisors, but I always challenge them, and and I've always seen like a jerk because of it. I said, look, I understand you want to be a manager. What do you think that's going to look like? What do you think it's going to be being a manager? You think it's fun? Well, are you doing it just for the money? And that's usually what comes. Oh, I want the money. Okay, so you're saying that you'd rather forgo all the skills and all the knowledge, and you'd rather be a bad manager than and you want to make the money. Well. Well, when you put it like that, well, do you want to be a manager? Or do you want to be a good manager? Do you want to be a leader or a good leader? Anybody can lead. I mean, there's. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, get what you're we, I mean, we talked about it, you yeah. know, at the base level, anybody, no matter what, as long as you have direct reports, you are technically a leader. Anybody can lead. You're you can right. be a bad leader. It just doesn't mean you're a good yeah, leader. Yeah, you're, you're, you're still a leader. People have to follow you. Do you want to be a good leader? People want to follow you. Wait, I have a question. I think I might have asked this before, but I heard it on a podcast the other day talking about it, and it reminded me. Can anybody be a good leader? Anybody can be a good leader. Everybody. Everybody can be a good leader. You believe no matter what. A hundred percent. But it's like everything else. 
it's not just going to happen. It's not just, oh, I'm a good leader now. I'm like, no, you have to go. It's like everything else. You want to develop that skill. There's plenty of books. There's plenty of things. If you have the will, there's a way. And and I, that might be the the internal optimist where I just like believe like, hey, I could do anything because, you know, I'm the old school way. Hey, if you put your nose to the grindstone, yeah. like, there's a lot of, no, there's a lot of idioms in this one. Um, if you put it in the work, <laughs> And oh, you God. and you dedicate yourself to if you cut the mustard. If you cut the mustard, if you put your nose to the grindstone, I'm talking. I'm talking like my dad right now. Um, if you put your nose to the grindstone, you you focus and you you determine in your mind. And and I've learned this in in this really good book. A colleague of mine um, told me about. It's called Atomic Habits. When you first see yourself, you have to make it into you know put into fruition in your mind. Like, hey, I want to be a good safety leader. Okay, but what does that mean? Right. Then you, you flesh it out. OK, well, a good safety leader motivates people and he raises the bar and, he, he, you know, he deep dives into all the actions and he, he makes all these good decisions. And OK, but how do I do each one of those things? Boom, 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 yeah. boom. Then you get the books. Oh, I want to be a leader like this. And this is what leadership looks like. And this is how I define it. And kind of like you, usually I tell people, look outside yourself. Inside is important, but. When you look outside yourself, like you go to John Maxwell or you go to, you know, the coil and all these different books that we've talked about, those things will kind of help you understand, oh, this is what leadership really looks like. This is what a good leader looks like. And then you kind of, you kind of make judgments. Okay. Well, Simon Sinek says you have to have the mindset of infinite game versus the finite game. Okay. Well, how much does that make sense? And you kind of flesh it on your mind. Well, does that make sense to me? How does that work? Will that fit into who I am and where I'm working in? All that stuff. And you can say, okay, well, yes, I believe in the infinite game versus the finite game. Okay, but I work in a company where that doesn't work. Okay, cool. You have your internal morals and all this other stuff. Maybe it's time to move somewhere else and, and be able to flesh that out a little bit better. So I think in 100%, if you if you make that, that reality in your mind, that you can make it a reality in, in the world. It's just you have to put in the work. And I don't know. I know a lot of people don't really want to put in the work. I'm not saying they're lazy. It's just <laughs> I, I, I've known people have that mindset when they see something and they say, holy crap, that's a lot. And they automatically just shut down. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you know people like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. And they, they kind of make this big monster out of such a small thing. And I'm just like, why are you making such a big monster out of it? It's just something to do. Yeah, it's a little bit more work. But how much more of a payoff that's going to be down the road? They're They're thinking about the... The beginning of the road and, and the big, you know, if you go on like a hike, you're looking at way at the top of the mountain. Like, God, we have to walk four and a half miles up there. Oh, my God. There's so much. Yeah. But if you focus on that, yeah, it's a big task. But if you look at the step in front of you, no time you'll it's be still there. still four and a half miles. I'm just kidding. No, I mean, 100%. That's, that's one of the big things I know people don't go to school for. Oh, God, four years? Bro, oh, man. Bro, it's not that long. It really isn't. And then six years later, you look back and you're like, damn, I could have finished a whole degree already and had two years extra. I'm just saying. And that's I, what I, happened to me a couple of times. No, hundred percent. You know, I just recently got back into school and I'm, I've been waiting to get back into school for almost a year now. And it's luckily for me that itch never went away. Like I need to get back in school. I need to get back in school. I need to get back in school. But when I look back, you know, just in the 10 years of being in safety, I'm like, holy crap. You know, I've, I've climbed a lot. Dude, I, you literally could have had a doctorate already. Um, years ago years if, ago if you would have just done it if i beginning. had just you know what i i had that motivation at that time and of course i was a different person back yeah, then for sure but, but you know just time wise like it's just crazy to think time wise that 
like stuff happens like a hundred percent my sister got her bachelor's when she was i don't know 22 23 whatever mm-hmm. whatever out of high school she went to her associates and then right right into her bachelor's it took me you know i didn't start until i was like 25 and so i tell people all the time look you have 40 years you know if you think about it if you think about getting your master's six years of school versus 40 years of work not even probably more than that if you think if you technically think about it dude that's that's a tiny fraction but i think that's a big problem is people look at the mountain like oh god it's so up there well let's look at the steps in front that's all you gotta worry about is the steps in front mm-hmm. you don't worry about that you, if you look at if you look at the mountain and you don't look at the road in front of you you're gonna trip plenty of times and you're gonna be like i don't want to go up this mountain this mountain sucks man i just heard a quote the other day that went really perfect to this it was like humans are the best at planning for the future when it's like one month ahead but the worst at planning for the future when it comes to 10 years or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's, it's they were just it's, talking about like how people are not good at they're good at forward looking like short term. Yeah. But very very bad inherently at looking long term into the future for themselves or No, for yeah, for other people, yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about with the one-on-ones was um what do you think about in one-on-ones them giving you feedback? That what well, that's what I, I was uh, alluding to in the beginning is I usually give them, I want to give them, I always tell them, look, this is your benefit. This yeah. is for you. It's not for me. I have mine with my manager and they have the growth for me. I tell them, look, I want you to bring everything that you want. It could be just a casual conversation. We could talk about school. We could talk about work. We could talk about family. No, I mean, we could no. talk about whatever. I always tell them, I want you to let me know how you think you're doing. Yeah. I want you to tell me honestly how you think I'm doing. Okay. That's I want you to, you know, whatever it is, I want your growth. Mm-hmm. I always tell them there's, there's three topics. I want your growth. I want something personal and I want something about me. Right. Anything else you could t- add on to those. Those are the three minimum things. Cause some people are like, you have the floor and they're like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, uh, this, this, and that. Give them a template. Hey, the first half is all you. We're going to talk about this, talking about this, talk about this, and anything else that you want, add on to the end of it. And then I'll talk about your growth, your performance, and, you know, what helicopters are make, make for the best gunships. Would <laughs> <laughs> be the, uh, the Apache helicopter. Yeah. Well, that was something that I didn't do for a while. I just was more like, uh, I was more focused on them. I wanted yes. the whole one-on-one to be focused on them. And then after I read, I don't know, one of the books I read, it talked about like making sure that you get feedback not back from, from managers, them, yeah. but from your, your direct reports and how to do it and blah, blah, blah. And so I started incorporating that into my one-on-ones and that actually was much different, right? It's enlightening. That, yeah. Because it were, there was things that I was doing that I didn't realize that I was doing. Yes. Like one of the biggest ones you reminded me of that you just talked about right now that, that I think probably is a, a common thing for a lot of managers was that that exact thing you said where I put my all-star in like this really difficult situation because I know they were going to smash it. They were going to yep. do a great job. And then I'm over here focusing on, on what, your weaker what, performance. what would be considered like a more like a more easy job. But because the person is weaker, I have to focus on that or focus on one or two guys like that. And I'm just completely leaving this guy out here who's handling this massive account by himself. And he can do it. <laughs> yeah. But he's probably also... He's always like, he's like, hey, where's Matt? I need my manager. Exactly, right? 100%. And so that didn't, I didn't really get that I was doing that until finally, like, he was like, hey, like, I know you trust me to do this and I want to do a good job and everything. But he's like, man, like, 
I'm struggling like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is a lot. It, it's it it can be and I've I know because I I've learned that within mine when I was the all-star and my manager was like, Hey Joe, you got this. I'm like, Yeah, I got it. And then I'm like halfway through. I was like, dude, I've never seen my manager. And he never calls me. He never talks yeah. to me. It's easy to fall into that trap as a manager because yeah. if you rely on, if you have a really solid person that you rely on, it's really easy to rely on them. Yeah. You're like, man, you got this later. Yeah. Now I'm going to focus on, on. It's not like, a, it's not like I want to be like, oh, good luck. It's just like, I get so focused on helping these people that. That need, need the, that I know need the help. That I just kind of. Like, like just, I'm sorry. I totally forgot about you. You're my middle child. You're, you're killing it. And I just feel like you got this. Yeah. And I'm like, sometimes I, I got to re- remind myself like, Hey, they're still my direct report. I still need to have communication relationship with them. Like, Hey, how's everything going? And usually you your all stars okay? are going to do whatever they can to do the best. They're going to, they're going like, to sacrifice and they're going to kill exactly. it. They're going to do everything that they, they need to. Yep. And that's, that's great. That's why they're the all stars. That's why they're the all stars. But at the end of the day, Hey, you don't want to burn your all stars. You don't want to burn your all stars. <laughs> and that's, that's usually what ends up happening. And yeah. I, like I said, I, that was something that I struggled with when I first became you know, supervisor manager was, you know, I would always focus on my, on my, I, I like to call them my turds. I always f- focused on That's my turds. Up, dude. <laughs> that is messed up. Like, Hey, yeah, man, this guy, he's struggling. And, and of course it's always usually the, the beginners. They're, they're new. They're not used to the culture. It's not always, you know, beginners. the managers always check, you know, you have your ops manager just, you know, giving this poor person, you know, pulling them through the ringer, just making them do all this non-safety related stuff. And you're like, no, 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 we don't do that. And then again, my, my all-stars are suffering. They're like, Joe, you never give me attention. I'm like, I know. Well, I, a lot of times I, you don't know they're suffering. That's the problem. Well, that's, because that's, they're why all you have, that's why you have the one-on-ones. But that's why you have and the one-on-ones. And you have the, like, hey, man, what am I not doing for you? Is there anything I can do better? And and I think what you hit on was probably the most important thing. Have them regularly. If you do them once a quarter. And I'm not saying, you know, the performance reviews. No. Right. You do those performance, those ones that you're going to document exactly. and all that stuff. You're going to do that quarterly for sure. Every quarter you should be doing it. And that's, I think that's the thing is hardest for me as, as a manager, especially cause I have my own company, my own like consulting company is the quarters are always the hardest because everything hits on the quarters. You have to do your quarterly metrics. You have to do your quarterly, you know, analysis. You have to do your quarterly, um, um, reporting, you know, for like MSHA and OSHA. And if you ever have to deal with ISN, you have to put all the hours in. Those are always like, Hey, Oh, it's, it's, you know, the, it's the, the Q3, let's start doing this. I'm like, oh, usually the first week is just like so hectic trying to get all this stuff. Oh, I need to make sure all these things are done. Okay, good. Do those for sure. But have, if you can within, I always try to do it week, depending on the size of the team, of course, week or month. Hey, I meet with every single person at least once a month, right? So that means that's three times you're meeting with them in a quarter. So you can say the first two are you're just kind of casual. You're trying to get a post on what's going on. And then your last one's going to be like, hey, this is the official. Like, this is where you're at. This is where we want you to be. This is this is where your growth has been from the last time. This is, you know, usually you pull up the last quarter. Hey, this is what your last quarter was. How have you improved? Hey, you've done better. Or, hey, you know what? You really haven't improved on on this specific topic. So maybe this this month, like, hey, is there anything I can do? How am I doing? What am what am I not giving you? What am I giving you too much of? That opens the door for more um um truthfulness. I'm not saying that people aren't being truthful, but when you're when you're talking to your manager, you try to make everything sound, oh no, you're doing a great job. But then you know, when it comes to reality, you're like, dude, this guy is 
totally not giving me enough attention or, hey, I feel like overwhelmed. They don't want to be honest with you because they don't want to show weakness and all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. But if you have them continually, they'll realize like, hey, it's not me showing weakness. It's like, hey, this, this is real life. Yeah. This is something that I'm, I'm weak in. I want to make sure that my employees feel safe. Again, the safety circle. Hey, you have to say it all the time, man. Because if they don't feel safe, they're not going to tell you the truth. They're going to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, man, everything's great. The house, you know, what's that that meme where it's a little dog and the house is on fire? Like, this is fine. Sometimes it's like that. A hundred percent. Sometimes the whole house is on fire. And people are like, yeah, everything's good. Oh, uh, no, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. And then a week later, you quit. They're like, well, what happened? I thought everything was fine. Well, no, this is what happened. And then they unload. And you're like, holy crap. Typically, that, that's what that stems from, is that you're not talking to them enough to where you're getting a good pulse on the actual company. What you see versus what's really going on, um, especially it's when it comes to things like metrics, right? You have anecdotal evidence versus, you know, concrete evidence. Yeah. Hey, um, the, the concrete evidence says that this, 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 but then you hear an employee say, we never do that. What do you mean you never do that? Yeah, we don't give a crap about that stuff. We only care about production. Mm -hmm. Oh, so anecdote, anecdotal evidence is not showing what, what the hard evidence is saying. Yeah. My, my direct report is saying I'm a stellar manager, but then you hear that he's saying that you're a jerk or you're unapproachable or, or yeah, whatever. And you're obviously you're quitting. Why? Well, you know what happened? Well, at this one time you did this and I don't never feel like you supported me. And you're just like, holy crap. I, my, the pulse that I was getting versus what I was seeing are two different things. So having that, that, like you said, open communication clarity you want to make sure that they feel like hey you are a member of this team i care about you as a person i want to see you grow this is how you do so at the same time you also want to be a manager like where am i failing you mm -hmm. and and tell them i want i want the honest truth why because i give you the honest truth i want i expect it back if it may be hard tell me tell me i'm a jerk tell me you know i need to be more approachable tell me i need to be on the floor more i know that's a big one that i hear a lot with managers is visibility I know, especially, and I'm, I'm learning how to, it's a lot more difficult at the higher level, condense my workload. I'm trying to get rid of things that aren't adding value to me. And I know it's very tough because some people are like, no, you need to do this, Joe. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't add value. What's the purpose of me doing this task if it's not driving a metric or, or giving us any, any benefit down, downstream? So I'm trying to get rid of some of that workload or pass it on to somebody else. So I have time to go out on the floor or go out to the field or whatever, whatever the situation is, go out there and see your people. Cause if you're, if you're not visible, that's not good. I, I, I know this because I've had managers or supervisors that I never saw you. You and I know for a fact where we went on to a certain job and one of our supervisors came out and he only came out once every maybe three months. I mean, we'd see him in the office. But when you actually see them out in the field, it'd be way different. Like, dude, what are you doing? Oh, I have to do this one required, you know, task where we could make sure we do an audit on you guys. Oh, so you're just checking a box. You know, how, how valued do I feel at that point? As a manager, that's amplified, right? As a supervisor, that's amplified. If you see your safety manager, I mean, I, of course, it has to be the, the size, right? Because you have a small little warehouse where there's like 30 people versus like an oil and gas location or even like a power generation facility. It could be huge, yeah. right? You could be multiple facilities out there and you, you're not going to see your manager all the time, but you still should see them. You should still see the supervisor sometime. Yeah. You know what I didn't like at one of my last companies, we started growing a lot and I started getting so busy, like so busy in the office, like getting caught up in office crap oh, yeah. all the time. There's always so much work going on. And what I didn't like is 
there was a there was like a couple months where I would I would go visit my guys and we'd go out to do like a couple of visits in the uh to like the field personnel. Yeah. And people wouldn't know some of the people wouldn't know who I am. Like, who the hell are you? Like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Matt Creasy. What do you mean, dude? Like, I'm I'm the the crease. I'm the manager. Like, how do you not know me? But it was my own fault. Like, I got so caught up that I wasn't able to get out to the field and and visit the employees. Like, we didn't have a crazy amount of employees. My employees, the employees in the company should have known who I I am. If I'm doing my job, they should maybe they don't see me. Of course, they're not gonna see me every day or anything, but they should know who I am. Well, it's it's difficult because it's a paradox, right? To be an effective manager, your people have to know who you are. Yeah. But to be a good manager, you have to be able to do the work. As an all-star, that's what you excel at, doing work. And as a manager, you're gonna have more work, right? Because you don't answer it's it's like I said, it's a paradox. You don't answer to your employees. Yeah, it's not like the employee, and that's not completely true because I've I've known some companies where you do answer to your employees, where they send out you know um, surveys and whatever. Hey, yeah. who's your safety manager? Do you know who he is by name? Do you yep. know where he's at? Do you know how to reach him? And I know some companies, and that's great because that kind of gives you the feedback of like, hey, how visible is this manager? Um, but most, let's be honest, most companies don't do that. Most companies, you're not you're not responsible for your employees, and I think that's where we kind of miss the mark. Is I'm looking at the guy above me, right? I'm looking at my direct, my senior regional, my regional, my manager, director, whatever it is at the level. You're looking above you, saying, "Hey, this is what they want. They're the ones that 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 um, define my destiny, right?" So I'm gonna do all the work. I'm gonna do all this extra work, and sometimes we do we do forget that. Hey, especially in safety, what matters are people. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't see you, that's where you're going to have a lot of those problems. You're, and it's going to be hidden until either a big event happens or you decide, hmm, I need to start, you know, again, diving deep. Let me look into what's really going on. Oh, man, nobody feels like the safety culture is important. Why? Well, because we're promoting the wrong people and we're not building the culture and we're not following our our mission, vision and values. They never see their manager. It really who who I mean. In reality, let's say, obviously, if this is an like oil and gas lease or any location, who's most responsible? And we've talked about this many times. Who's most responsible for the culture? The manager, right? Yeah. I mean, technically, everybody, right? Yeah. Everybody's a part of the culture. But who's the main driver? Leadership. Yeah, leadership. If the manager, if the leadership doesn't show that it matters, right? It's kind of like when your parents were telling you, oh, yeah. You need to say you need to go to college. Well, how come you didn't go to college? <laughs> you know, it's and then you know it's it's monkey see monkey do. And I hate to say say that, but God, I'm dude, you're full of them today. I, I'm telling you, lots and lots of them today. I've especially recently with my nieces and my nephews, I've seen that a lot, and it's frustrating because they look at me and they're like, "Well, how come you make so much money? I told you go to school." Well, my parent. Your parents didn't get an education, and I understand that. My parents didn't either. I mean, my mom went to college a little bit. But and it took me a while, right? I started at 25. That's when I figured it out that, you know, that's what I need to do. And I tell them the same thing. Look, you want to move up in the world. You want to do better things. You This is the path that you can go. You can. There's plenty of routes where you can work in a company, a smaller company, and, and work hard and move up in the chain. It, it might take you five to ten years. And, yeah, you could be a manager. Or you could spend the four years, tough it out for four years, and then your your life, you know, after that will be should be pretty good you should be pretty stable and you have to worry about you know economics too much statistically speaking the higher education you have the more money you're going to make statistically speaking, not always there's always outliers but i tell them look this is this is how it is 
monkey see monkey do you have to reflect what your values are right it's like your manager right if your manager says man i i value honesty and he just lies to you <laughs> right you're like well you say you say one thing but then you do another and now now you have an integrity problem and people are like okay well we can't trust you and we were talking about that a couple episodes ago trust is once you lose trust now your team's going to fall apart so having that that mentality like look i if i'm going to ask something of you I'm going to have to model that myself. Matt, I want you to go to school. I want you to get a, a, a certification, but you don't have anything. Oh, well, you know, and then you can come up with this. Well, I got kids and I got a family. Okay, so all I hear is not excuses. So now I can make the same excuses. Well, I got a family. I got kids. I got things to do. Right? You have to model. And this is, again, this is why I, I've harped so much on education is if your manager doesn't believe in it, how can you believe in it? Mm-hmm. Right. It's the culture. No matter what, you're going to try to assimilate to the culture as much as you can. I mean, there's sometimes where the culture is either detrimental to your your morals and stuff like that. Right. You, have, you know, you're not going to see a vegan working at a cow slaughtering facility. That'd be weird. I mean, you, you might. There, there's plenty of contradictions in the world, but you're just generally you're not going to see, you know, within a meat packing facility, you're not going to see 30, 30 vegans. Oh, I hate killing animals. That's weird because that's what you do for a living. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of contradictions out in the world like that, but it's just not very common. It's like saying those are the outliers. So making sure that you model, model what you're asking. I know, especially when it comes to the higher levels, it's a lot more difficult to get that out there in the field. They're going to pummel you. Hey, we got this you need to do. Hey, we got that need to do. You, uh, I, I remember we, uh, we talked about in our leadership really early in, in our, in our episodes, probably like four or five where we talk about the, the CEO and all these other people have to come out from their office mm-hmm. to go. I mean, let's say that, you know, like a company like Walmart, right? The CEO of Walmart can't go to every Walmart. They can't go to all the Walmart distribution centers. They can't go to every Walmart there. That's a completely different story. We're not talking about that, but let's say within, you know, just one Walmart, right? This, I don't think they have a safety person at Walmart. They have to, right? Maybe not. Well, they have Walmart. Secure, they have like loss prevention. I think mm. that's what they're considered. But, they but they're more responsibilities like also. They're more like, hey, we're looking at making sure people don't steal. I know that there's some. They gotta have ergonomics and hazardous waste and de- someone's handling all that stuff. Well, yeah, but I, I don't know. If you work at Walmart and safety, let well, us know. Yeah, yeah, let us know. Like, hey, you're like, yeah, I have a job too. I'm like, oh, didn't know that. Guaranteed, they have to have it. I've you figure right, but, but I bet it's at like a high. But tell you this much: I've been to Walmart a bunch of times. I've never seen a safety person. So that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm betting it's at a high level where it's like programs like yeah i'm sure programs. there's maybe like someone has oversight over like a regional and then the supervisors or whoever's in charge of the store is responsible for implementation and right stuff like that. so i mean you would figure at least there you would have some somebody to go out there and do audits and hey I, hey who's your safety person oh it's our manager oh okay cool so how often do you see him oh I'm, never like i know we have one and i've, I've been in places like that where i it's like uh, I hate to say this because now I know about fire, but I didn't even know firefighting was a thing until like right almost when I graduated high school. Like I knew fire 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 engines existed, but I didn't know what they did. And, oh, they fight fires! I didn't know they responded to EMS. Oh, you know, I didn't know yeah. all the all the things that didn't tell. I'm like, what you guys did that? Oh, you, you guys you guys check fire hydrants? What? You guys do all these things? I just thought they responded to car accidents and fires. Yeah, dude. car accidents and fires. That's a, oh, that's the fire department. Oh, okay. Until I did my ride-alongs and I realized you literally respond to everything before the ambulance. One hundred percent. Well, that's not completely true. I mean, like if I was driving the ambulance for sure. I'd show up first. Well, the, well on my ride-alongs, <laughs> I think 
almost. I'm trying to think if there was one time where the gov- ambulance beat us or not. Yeah, the governor was at like 90, 95. And there's just more stations strategically placed in our city for fires to respond. Well, faster, yeah, to respond faster. But and I was like, man, are you guys an ambulance just in a big red truck? Like this is all you do. You do medical calls. Yeah, they will. That's day. the majority is that they do like 80 percent. And medical. then I was like, well, I don't want to be a firefighter. Oh, here we go. I don't want to respond to emails. Like, I don't want to do that. I just want to fight fires, bro. Dude, are you kidding me? That's like the, that's the gravy job. All you do is show up and leave. That's it. It's not like you're, you're transporting. That's the, that's the crappy part. Yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to transport. <laughs> that's you should pick them up, go to the hospital, sit there for about two and a half hours, just waiting for a bed. You're like, ah, this is fun. This is what I went to school for. Fire. He's like, oh, oh, they're fine. Oh, my bad, guys. Or my favorite one is we'd wave them off. Oh, no, you guys are fine. Okay, we're going back to bed. You're like, stupid jerks. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. But no, I mean, that's that's the reality is a lot of people have that perception. I mean, let's be, uh, hey, let, here's here's your homework, listeners. Here's a little bit of homework. Go and talk to people. Tell them what you do. I know for a fact people are like, people don't know what the hell I do. I tell people, oh, I'm in safety. What's that? What's that? <laughs> What's that? Safety? <laughs> what do or you mean? my favorite one is, <laughs> if everyone is, oh, like ocean stuff? I'm like, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, technically, yeah, OSHA. But I mean, we try to make sure when somebody says like <laughs> explain your job in like a sentence, like if you had to explain like I'm in safety in like a sentence to them, what would you normally say? I can't. I, I can't in a sentence. I'm like I'm like I do not have or the like ability. Your kid. Have you ever had to explain to your kid what you do? Yeah, I mean, and what do you, I, what I tell you tell them? Them, like I just keep people safe, and they're okay. like, "What's that mean?" I'm like, I make sure that they go home at the end of the day because okay. you can get hurt. I mean, that's like the essential part. But I mean, to really detail, like this is what I really do. Right, because I don't really. That's not. I mean, as a manager, I don't really do that. That's not my job. My well, job is to make sure that the people under me do that. Yeah, it fil- it all filters down, right? Yeah. If you're not doing your job, then they might not be doing their job. Yeah. And then, so. So then, I mean, I tell people technically, my job is to hold people accountable to make sure that they our people go home. That's technically my my job and my position. But I mean, there's so much more. Yeah. To that, and it's hard to just sit there like, but when people go like OSHA and stuff, like first of all. I'm already, you know what OSHA is. Great. Cool. And then it's like, okay, but like, like, do you know what that entails? Like, mm-hmm. do you know all the scope? And it's like, nah, I'm not going to get into that. But that's always my favorite. Like, oh, like OSHA and stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, kind of. Sure. Why sure. Not? Yeah. I mean, that makes, yeah, that's it's, it's kind of what it is. Yeah. But yeah, it was my favorite ones are like uh, <laughs> with the memes where somebody's doing something stupid and like, yeah, I hate OSHA. I'm like, you do know OSHA's like there for you, right? Like you don't, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I love my crafts people, but they're like super anti-OSHA. OSHA doesn't let us get work. I'm like, you know they're why, you? right? Your crafts? Crafts. Oh, craft people. Yeah, like welders and, yeah. and um. what's well, so crazy to me? I always harp on my welders. OSHA's really not even that strict. Like, honestly, <sighs> they're not that strict. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I actually had an interview with them not too long ago, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't think I just want to. I mean, I'd love to. I love the opportunity, but I was like, you know what? That's not what I want to do with my life. I, I would love to do that, but mm, they're just, they just don't. They, there's so few of them that they're ineffective. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, you kind of have to worry about them because, especially if somebody like files a complaint, that's mainly what they're but doing. But it's, it's more like it's, I, I, uh, I like to reference it as like you're at you know a community and you're having a big party, right? And those cops are only going to show up if somebody calls. That's it. It's not like they're driving down the street with you know their sounding device. Oh look, there's a lot of music over here. Let's go over and and take care of it. No, it's like oh if you make your neighbors mad, right? And there's always like that threshold. Like oh well, I know I can't have it at you know let's say ninety volume. I can have it at like seventy five and get away with it all night long. 
and they'll be okay with it, right? Technically, you know, the limit is supposed to be like 45, but if nobody calls at 70, the 70 is the new limit, right? Mm. And, that, and that's, and I love my OSHA people, but that's just how it is. You know, they're understaffed. They're not going out and doing audits. It's just, you know, they have, they have to do what they have to do. So, but yeah, that's, that's what I tell people I do. I do. Yeah. I kind of work with OSHA kind of, <laughs> I, I keep people safe. What's that mean? Uh, that's a whole, that's a whole paragraph that you want to listen to. Um, so do we have anything in our mailbag? Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked it. Have you checked it? Mail time. No, I have not. I think we have. Um, I looked at it the past couple of days. I haven't really seen anything come through. I know that we've had some questions on like um, Facebook and I know we've had a couple of chats on, on Reddit. I know one of my favorite ones was um, uh, we were talking about a, um, well, I know there's a lot of stuff on, on Canada, which is kind of tough because I don't know anything about Canada. But um, this person was working at a they're they're new, which is good. Right. They got promoted into um, a manager position and they were looking uh, about having problems with like pushing culture. Right. And um, my advice to this person. So they this is the context. They are they were in safety for a couple of years, about two, three years. They moved to another company. Now they're the manager. And, um, it's a fairly new company and they're, they're asking like, how do I, how do I shape the culture? You know, how do I, um, how do I instill a healthy, safe, a safe, healthy, safe culture in my company? And I told him, well, first of all, you need to get with management. You get with your leadership. And I say leadership is in, cause I don't like the word management because that means manager. Right. But when you talk about like, um, um, the Department of Industrial Relations, you know, your your um, HR of of OSHA mm -hmm. management is a supervisor and up. So when I say leadership, that encompasses encompasses everybody: your owner, your C suite executives, your senior uh, leadership managers, and then your 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 uh, field supervisors. That's your leadership group, right? As soon as you're in the field, you promote to that supervisor. Now you're considered a leader leadership versus manager or management well i'm not a manager i'm a supervisor okay so so you're kind of just placing that up a little higher that's not my decision that's my manager's decision cool but you impart in safety as well so that's why i say leadership you have to work with your your management your leadership team to instill that that's where you're going to get the bulk of your safety culture is whatever the managers and supervisors allow that's your culture Right. So if you tell them, hey, this is important, it's always tell people to work with the with the owner of the company. If the owner is the one that says, hey, this is important to me and I want this in my in my um, team, then it, then it will come through again. The the, the companies that I, I've worked for, that's the always thing I tell them first. First of all, you need to have a safety culture. You need to drive that. Don't get me wrong. I, I play a part 100 percent, but you are this is your company. Your name is tied to them. They see you as the ultimate leader. You're the Jeff Bezos. Well, not anymore because Jeff Bezos, I guess, stepped down. You're the Steve Jobs. Wait, he's dead. Oh, my God. Uh, Bill Gates. <laughs> Wait, is Bill Gates still the CEO? I don't know. You're the, you're the head of the company. You have to drive it. When you say things, put them in the context of safety. Of course, productivity, 100%. I understand. We need to make money, 100%. But you have to push that safety button all the time. Because if you don't, then your management won't care about it. Then your supervisors won't care about it. And guess who? Again, trickle-down economics. Eventually, your people won't care about it. Then you're going to have incidents. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have days away. You're going to have higher insurance. You're going to be paying out the, the wazoo for, for um, you know, workers' comp. 
you're going to pay for injuries. You're going to have lose work, right? Because now, now your contract, the people you're contracting with are like, dude, this person's unsafe. We can't have them. Why? Because now our, our insurance is going to go up because we're a dual employer, whatever. Um, have management and everybody care about it and then show them. I think that's one of the things I've learned is very few managers know about safety. Very few managers know about how to build that safety culture, right? It's not like instilled into them in, in business, right? It, you're taking people from all over the world. They, let's, I have a great example. I had um, a, super, a superintendent and he had his own company. He was, uh, he was in concrete. This guy, he's like the god of concrete. You tell him about concrete, he he can go on for, oh, yeah, you know, you can, he even knows, like, the the different, like, formulas of different things. So, mm-hmm. you know, concrete's not all, all the same stuff, right? Yeah. They have different mixes and stuff, right, depending on the tensile strength that they need. He would install pools and walkways and everything. This guy was Mr. Concrete. Great guy, super smart. But the problem was his culture was, uh, let's get it done. I don't care about anything else. Let's get it done. And when he came onto my team, that was the, the, the mentality that he had. I don't care. Get it done. I don't care. Get it done. If we have to work overtime, who cares? If we have to do this, who cares? As long as it gets done, that's all he cared about. And of course the quality as well. And it took a while, but I, I found that I couldn't, I couldn't one-on-one with him. I had to get a team, right? Because when you put somebody in that culture, they either have to adapt or they're going to leave. That's what we had to do. So I talked with the um, with the general manager. I said, hey, look, we're having a problem with this guy. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. He's really good at his job. He's amazing. But the problem is, is he comes from this culture, and we need to assimilate him to our culture. And so I told him, I was like, we need to make sure everybody around him has that same mentality of safety. And it took about five and a half, six months. But slowly but surely, we saw it happening. That he started caring a little bit more about safety, more about safety, because his job, again, when we build up your company, all your metrics have to point it. Well, how safe was your job? Well, how often do you guys talk about safety in your job? Da 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 da. And that's that's where you build it in. You have to build that culture. If you're working for a good company, you're gonna follow the mission, vision, and values. If your mission, vision, and value doesn't have safety in it, how are you gonna care about safety? Mm-hmm. Right? If my company's about making money and making pretty concrete. Okay, so how safe are you guys? Well, not really safe because we don't care about safety. Oh, okay. It's not in our mission, mission, and values. So do you have any anything on your, your people? No. Uh, Facebook, anything like that? I don't have people. Um, you have your people call my people? <laughs> my people will definitely not be calling your people. Okay, I see how it is. Anyway. No, I don't, but um, what, are we wrapping up? Yeah, we have, um, what, the culture of safety at gmail.com. Yeah, please follow us on Instagram. Instagram. At the popular safety guys. Wait, what'd you say? Instagram. 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 Joe's now on OnlyFans at <laughs> the safety guy, Joe. Yeah. There's it's, tons of uh, NSFW it's stuff. Not there, safe for work. Where it's literally just him posting like uh, a picture of you like work. on top of a, la- uh, of a forklift. People on top of, uh, yeah, ladders that aren't secured. All kinds of stuff like that. Like, you want to see the most hottest, raw, not safe for work action? OSHA violations? Here we go. Uh, Reddit. You're on Reddit. And uh, which which uh, subs are you in again? Um, well, there's the safety. Prof- there's a couple of them. There's the safety professional, workplace safety. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of uh, different safety ones. But those are the main ones. Yeah, Gmail. Mm-hmm. And then um, and our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group? Well, it's a, our Facebook thing. Our Facebook page. Facebook, which is the page, whatever. Thing. I don't do Facebook. 
I am in Facebook groups, US, uh, US safety professionals, HSE safety professionals, and US safety professionals seems to be the most active one. Yeah, so go on there, ask a question. Matt, Matt will be more on that one. He's he's all about that life. Yeah, I'm more on the Facebook groups, and Joe's more on the Reddit. Yeah, I'm definitely more on the Reddit. It's a little easier for me because I can go in and do it whenever I need to. And it US gives me like alerts. Pro- USA professionals is really active. So if you guys are looking to ask questions anything. and cool stuff, always always ask. It's always cool to get a little, you know, feedback and stuff there like that. There is some douchers in there, but eh, well, isn't that about life? Yeah. All right, but guys. Thank you for listening. Talk to you guys next week. All right, late.